Alrighty. It's one o'clock. It's day two. How are we feeling? It's lackluster. It's all right. You're all late. I get it. Well, welcome. My name is Mark Relf. I run global business development at AWS for IoT, mobile, serverless computing. And now that Midnight Madness is over, I can tell you mixed reality as well. Uh, so I uh, spend a lot of time on a lot of really, really fun things. Uh, IoT is near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm really happy to be joining Lindsay and the Salesforce uh, team for this presentation uh, today. You know, before we get started, Lindsay and I have done this presentation now a few times on the web, once at Dreamforce, um, and uh, so it's a presentation we know well. Um, but since we're here at reInvent, I just wanted to maybe set the stage a little bit so everyone understands a little bit about what we're going to talk about and why Salesforce and AWS are here together. And so anyone working in IoT probably knows, you know, IoT is an interesting term, right? It means uh, kind of everything and nothing all at the same time. It's about connecting uh, devices, but do you mean in consumer settings, in industry 4.0 settings, kind of everything else in between? And is it really about connecting devices or is it about driving some business value, about connecting to your customers better, about streamlining your operations, about either creating new services and sources of revenue or reducing costs and streamlining operations, maybe a bit of both. And so at AWS, uh, my team and I and the, and the service uh, team, some of you may know uh, some of the services we've released over the last few years, including AWS IoT and Greengrass as examples of services that we've put together to help make building uh, IoT solutions easier, uh, particularly on the device connection side. And obviously, across AWS, there's a number of services to help build the applications, do analytics, and, and so forth. But the thing that we found um, to be an absolute truth is that um, you know, there's, no one company really is a, a, a one-stop shop for uh, building anything in IoT. When you think about hardware and connectivity and ingestion of data and the applications that you build and so forth, we've taken a philosophy that is uh, very partner-centric. You know, we believe it takes a really great army of friends to help our customers solve these problems. And so we spend a ton of time on building an incredibly rich partner ecosystem in a different places in hardware and in connectivity, um, but also uh, across other providers, software, and other capabilities to help really build these uh, solutions out. And I talked about business value, um, and we're going to show you some cool demos uh, in a minute um, that I think you're going to love. I've actually done this demo quite a few times down in a booth uh, uh, just downstairs, uh, so it's a really great demo. But when you think about business value, hey, it's a connection to a customer. And so while at AWS, we've done a ton to help make connecting devices to the cloud much easier and much more powerful, Salesforce at the same time has been spending a lot of time thinking about how they unlock the CRM data and the workflows and the other intelligence that exists in their uh, cloud and in their offerings. And we've had customers sort of ask us, hey, how do we marry these two things together? So as I get uh, connected to devices, as I get events and data streaming in, how do I match that with customer data in ways 
that drives far, far more value. And that's really what we want to talk about today. Uh, AWS and Salesforce has actually been actively working with customers. Like I said, we were at Dreamforce, which is Salesforce's big conference, talking about exactly the same thing. Uh, we work directly with customers. We're going to tell you a bit about the, uh, that today, um, really working hand in hand. We've built some technology directly into our services to help you access uh, Salesforce's IoT uh, offerings. They've done the same on our side, and we're going to walk you through that today. So I just wanted to set the stage really to underscore uh, how important it is uh, for us to have these incredible partners to help us drive um, some value for our customers as they look to do amazing things for their customers. So with that, I'm going to uh, pause. I'll be back in a second to talk about the AWS side of the equation. But let me introduce uh, Lindsay uh, from Salesforce. He's going to kick us off, uh, tell us a little bit about what Salesforce is doing uh, in the area. It's going to be a great session. Everyone's going to hang in. We're going to have some fun as we go through. If there are questions, we'll pause along the way. But with that, maybe a round of applause for uh, Lindsay. Mark, All righty. Thank you. All right, well, it is awesome to be here. Happy day two of reInvent. Uh, really excited. I promise you we're going to get to a lot of the fun stuff on the how. We're going to show you some cool technology. But I wanted to start a bit with the why, right? What, what is the value behind IoT? Why are companies investing? And we spent the past several years meeting with customers across industries and segments. And I'll share with you the common theme that has really emerged, and I would say, frankly, really evolved and shifted. Uh, in the past year and a half to two years, which is companies are really seeing this transition from the third to the fourth industrial revolution. We are getting into the fourth. Like any revolution, the ones in the past have been filled with change, and they've been all focused on largely kind of process improvement. How do I make products better, faster, cheaper? How do I change the way, automate, transform the way products are made, the way my factory floor operates? This fourth industrial revolution is different. This industrial revolution is now all about the customer, right? Which is how do I now leverage all of the process improvements and automation improvements and product and use that to change the way I engage with my customer? And that is because we know it is not a matter of if but when. Everything is becoming connected and behind everything is one of your customers, right? And their expectation as things are becoming connected is that you know what's up with the products they buy, right? You know how they're using them. You know when they're reaching capacity. You know when their products that they've bought or used over a period of time are becoming old or worn down and there's a new and better one on the shelf. And as a result of that, you proactively reach out to them. You sell in new ways to them. You service in new ways to them. You market with visibility into this data and into these devices. And so this is the, the change, the shift that we're seeing as part of the industrial revolution, which is not necessarily a focus on product, but a focus on product tied to customers. And so the common theme we heard when meeting with executives across industries, across segments, was this. I've been at IoT for a while. I've been really focused on turning a physical product into a connected product. But guess what? The future for me is different. The future for me and my company is all about turning that connected product into a connected customer experience. Because at the end of the day, like we're investing in IoT so we can get to new dollars, so we can monetize and create new business models. There was a really interesting report that came out uh, last year. said 74% of industry executives see their revenue mix in the next 10 years. Greater than 50% of that is going to shift from asset as a revenue to data-driven services as a revenue. Think about that. right? As a business, you're not just going to be selling product. As a business, 
you're looking for ways to now monetize digital services. So how do you get there? And this is really the boardroom conversation we've heard and really the opportunity we see companies getting excited about in IoT, which is how do I turn my connected products and all of this data into business value for my customer, right? Which is oftentimes where the money is. So let's face it. If there was an easy answer to this problem, you know, it would have been solved a long time ago. IoT solutions are complex. They require a lot of different piece parts. You have to actually turn a physical product into a product that can send telemetry data to the cloud, to the edge, put sensors on it. You need connectivity and infrastructure. You need places where you can monitor all that data, aggregate it, filter it. And of course, you need to turn this data into business processes and customer applications and figure out ways in which you can enable your organization to manage that change, to go from selling assets to selling services. And this is really where we saw an opportunity start to come together with AWS. Now, before I get there, and before I talk more about how we're exactly coming together, let me first take an opportunity to simplify IoT into four key categories. So this is what we've identified over the course of hundreds of customer, analyst, partner conversations as the four core building blocks to success in IoT. You have things. Many of you make, manufacture, distribute those things. Probably many of you have been on the journey of connecting those things, right? Putting sensors on those products so that they can transmit data. And then, of course, there's the IoT platform category and component, which is how do I take now data from all of my connected things, connected products, and securely store that data, aggregate that data, manage that data effectively, do some analysis on it. And then there's this fourth category in IoT, which is how do I connect all that to my customer? How do I change the way in which data coming off of my things is allowing me to interact with, engage with, sell, service, market to my customer? Which is really where the, the business value is, right? How do I turn that data into customer experience and customer engagement? And so this is really where Salesforce is focused. This is where we saw an opportunity to come together with AWS as really the leader in building out IoT infrastructure, building out IoT platforms. Salesforce as the leader in customer relationship management, CRM, how you sell, how you service, how you market. We saw an opportunity to make it easy for our customers, for all of you, to simplify IoT, to bring these building blocks together, to connect your things, create an infrastructure to manage data from those things, and then to seamlessly connect that data to context about your customers to take the right action at the right time and start to create and innovate on these new customer experiences that get you to that new revenue mix. So this has really been the focus, and now we're going to get into this, some of the guts of it, which is how are we coming together? How are we bringing these four pillars that I identified together in such a way that it's easy for you as a customer, as a partner, to really take advantage of this and move quickly in the space of IoT. And so we're going to start uh, kind of following that, that path. We're going to start with uh, AWS Go Deep. And so, Mark, I invite you back on stage. Thank you. Anybody using our IoT services today? Excellent. Oh, that, thank you. That's excellent. Um, I would love to hear after what people are using it for. Um, for those um, who aren't familiar, uh, we, over the, like I said, over the last uh, three years, have spent time thinking, uh, based on a lot of customer feedback, on the kinds of services that we can build uh, to help uh, building IoT solutions be a lot easier. Um, our focus is on trying to drive business value and trying to solve problems. Like I said earlier, simply connecting a sensor to something and ingesting a bunch of data for no apparent reason isn't actually going to help anyone. 
And as we've looked at what's required, um, we've actually divided our service team and our thinking around the product roadmap into three core areas around things, uh, the physical things out in the world, uh, using the cloud as an orchestration layer uh, for data and events, and then adding a layer of intelligence on top of that data to solve problems. And if you think about the services that we've launched so far, in the things area, we have a set of SDKs available for devices to connect through to AWS, but we also launched Greengrass, uh, which uh, extends AWS out to edge devices. Greengrass is software that runs on your hardware that brings our IoT stack and a version of Lambda to a local device. Um, lots of examples. There's actually a ton of sessions about Greengrass here at reInvent. In the cloud, we have AWS IoT. For those who aren't familiar, AWS IoT is a fully serverless uh, service. Think of it as the front door to connect a device to AWS. So it includes a PubSub messaging service, a security model, uh, developer features like a shadow service and a rules engine to allow you to both connect um, devices to AWS, but also route data where things need to go. And then on the intelligence layer, you know, I probably should say, you know, some people ask me, you know, what's AWS's platform uh, for IoT? And the actual answer I always start with is that our platform for IoT is all of AWS. And the reason for that is when you think of the apps that you're going to build, the machine learning that you're going to do, the data lakes that you might want to build, we have extensive sets of services to do that. And those are the same services that you're leveraging. And it's AWS IoT that helps you access um, those services uh, for devices that you've connected uh, through on the service. And so uh, one thing I will say is over the course of the next couple of days, um, we have lots to talk about in all three of these categories. So as a shameless plug, um, if you, uh, I'd highly recommend going to the State of the Union uh, IoT session tomorrow. That's my inside tip for all of you. Don't tell anybody I told you that, but it's going to be really good. Uh, so try get into that one. Start reserving now if you haven't, because we have a lot of really cool things to talk about tomorrow. Um, I suspect Andy might talk about a few things uh, over the course of the week as well. It's going to be really, really great. So we have lots of examples of amazing things customers have been doing. So definitely um, uh, look for that. Um, I think I mentioned this, uh, you know, the core of the AWS IoT service, um, you know, it does bring uh, a secure uh, connection model. It allows devices to easily interact uh, with, um, uh, uh, or applications to interact with devices. We do that through something called the shadow. Um, the shadow service in AWS IoT is basically a digital representation of uh, the state of a device and allows you to interact with that state as a set of APIs. Why do we do APIs? Because developers love APIs. Do you really want to have to be an electrical engineer and know everything about a device to turn something on or off or to get some telemetry from that device? No. If you want to build that companion application, the web dashboard, the integration to an uh, existing system, well, hey, if I want a mobile application, you, sir, are the best iOS developer I have ever met. You're the guy I want to have build my iOS app. Because at the end, that's the user experience, uh, whether it's consumer or industrial, that somebody's going to have with these IoT solutions. So I want it to be amazing. Do I want you to be the electrical engineer who knows everything about wind turbines or light bulbs or anything? No. So I'm going to give you a set of APIs. That's what the shadow is all about. 
the routing of data, you know, the rules engine is the place where we look at that stream of data coming from devices and decide where it needs to go. This, this set of data coming from a device, hey, we're going to dump that in a data lake. We don't even know what we're going to do with it yet, but we know we need to keep it. We're going to save that for later. This set of uh, events coming from a device, that's a flag uh, that we need to react to. Maybe it triggers an application. Maybe there's a set of Lambda functions that respond to that. Um, maybe it's something we're passing off to a database or a machine uh, learning model, whatever the case is going to be. It's actually in the rules engine where we've built our integration with Salesforce. So you can say, hey, when I see an event coming uh, from a device, I'm going to route that through to Salesforce to allow the workflows that you're going to see in a moment to happen. So we're doing that at the rules engine level, uh, which is a really direct benefit that it's part of sort of the native capabilities of AWS IoT. And of course, I mentioned it's the front door for a device to communicate with any of the other services across AWS um, that you might be uh, using. But here's the thing. The other part of our current uh, IoT offering is called Greengrass. And why did we create uh, Greengrass? Which again is software that runs on your hardware that extends AWS out to devices. Well, it's about three core things. We like to call them the three laws. And the three laws are all about the fact that while we see any workload moving to the cloud and that definitely there are journeys people take in thinking about how they use the cloud, um, there are a few durable problems in IoT that have to be overcome. The first is the law of physics. The law of physics is the speed of light probably isn't changing anytime soon. Why does that matter? Well, it's about latency. And while I'm sure someone inside of Amazon has written a document proposing a change to the speed of light, and Jeff might be thinking about that in some way, for the time being, we are stuck with some fundamental laws of physics. Why is latency important? Well, there are safety systems, uh, real-time critical um, uh, systems, uh, things that even with the best connection to the internet and the most amazing cloud in AWS, the round trip is simply too long uh, even at the speed of light for what it is that you need to do. Think about uh, the anti-lock brakes in your car, the safety systems on a piece of heavy machinery, and so forth. Then there's a the law of economics. In IoT, massive amounts of data are generated. Um, that data can be impractical or expensive to move to the cloud either immediately or at all, and you may need to work with that data locally. You think about machinery that could be generating megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes of data, and maybe I don't need all of that. If I was sampling at you know, 10 second intervals, did I really, do I really need to send all of that to the cloud or could I average it out over five minutes based and maybe save some uh, time and energy moving that data? Um, and then there's compliance. This is the one law that maybe can change over time, but it still sometimes moves a little glacially. You're just not allowed to do stuff, privacy, uh, data sovereignty, geographic considerations, regulatory requirements, and so forth might dictate that you have to stay close to that source of data for a lot of very, very good reasons. And so we, we introduced Greengrass basically to allow a developer a couple of sort of key benefits. One is it extends AWS out to that device. What do I mean by that? It means that as a cloud developer, you can now interact with an edge device using that same set of technologies that you've come to grow, uh, know and love so well. Uh, think about Lambda as an example. Uh, Greengrass gives you this very consistent runtime environment on a device. It's the same Lambda, Lambda that you love in the cloud, 
uh, brought out to edge devices. So as you're building those functions, same skill set, same technology uh, that we sync out to those edge devices. Hey, I've built an entire IoT stack. Uh, perhaps I want to have Greengrass in place for things like when connectivity is lost, or perhaps the device needs to have a level of autonomous operation but I still want to use that same messaging uh, model, the same security model, all of that same features, including those APIs that this gentleman built that amazing mobile app out of I was talking about a second ago. I want to use all of those same technologies out on the edge. We bring that to you with Greengrass as well. So it unlocks uh, the device for a cloud developer. For an embedded developer, slightly different. An embedded developer who's used to having a set of tools suddenly has all of these new cloud tools available to them, gives them a very uh, uh, new and modern way to build applications. Hey, running software on hardware, that's not new. Last time I checked, I think that had been done in computer science for a long, long, long time. What is new is the fact that it really is an extension of AWS. It's bringing those technologies to new sets of developers and bringing those technologies to new sets of devices. So Greengrass gives you the ability to respond to local events quickly, the ability to operate offline, um, the uh, Lambda environment locally uh, as a runtime on the device, an ability to reduce costs, so you can reduce the amount of messages that are backhauled back to the cloud. You can think about reducing the overall amount of data that you're moving, which can drive a level of cost in IoT applications. And it brings AWS-grade security out to edge devices as well. I just want to point on that Lambda point. Um, you know, Greengrass runs on your hardware, so it also gives you the ability depending on how capable that hardware is, you get to run Lambda for as long as you want. That's one, one little difference between Lambda in the cloud and Lambda on your device. It's your device. We're not gonna tell you how to use your device. So if you wanna use Lambda and run it for as long as you want, that's something that you can do locally, uh, which is a sort of a key benefit. So, AWS IoT, the front door for a device to connect to the cloud. AWS Greengrass brings the cloud closer to those devices and we've done this level of integration in the rules engine to be able to route data to Salesforce. With us so far? Okay, so let's switch gears. I'm gonna invite Lindsay to come back up and tell the other side of the equation, which is the technology Salesforce is bringing to bear, and then we're gonna do a demo. And for anybody, you're gonna miss the best demo, I promise. It is a really, really great demo. I haven't been able to keep them, but I promise, for you guys, <laughs> I know you're hanging with me. It's going to be a good demo at the end. All right, so we'll turn it back over to Lindsay. Awesome, Here you go. thanks. It really is awesome. It's going to bring it all to life. Okay, so you get how you turn physical products into connected products. AWS does its awesome stuff, manages that data at the cloud, at the edge. How do you start to turn this into business value, into customer experience, into things you can start to put a dollar sign against? So this is where we really saw an opportunity. Now, quick show of hands, how many here are familiar with or current users of Salesforce CRM in some capacity? Okay, awesome. Next year, all of you are gonna put your hands up. So for those of you that aren't familiar, Salesforce at its core has key products that help you sell. So for your sales teams, help you manage your sales portfolio pipeline, help you service. So call center management, field service management, uh, marketing, so marketing applications, broader platform to build apps. The point is we are the platform that help you engage your customers effectively across sales, service, marketing, and more. In the middle, as you're, as you're bringing all of these billions of devices, thousands of devices online, how do you then turn that data into something that drives business process at the CRM level? 
And this is where Salesforce IoT is focused. So directly connecting to AWS IoT, taking that data in, and using that to drive the right response, the right action in Salesforce. So think of this, and then I'm going to go deeper on the Salesforce IoT part, as AWS IoT doing the anomaly detection. Right? How do I pump all this data in and determine, based on all of this thing data, what's going on? And then Salesforce becomes the anomaly response. How do I take action, take the right course of action to respond to my customer in the right way that's going to deliver value? So let's talk about how Salesforce IoT does this specifically. And then I'm going to talk a bit more about the connection point. So I'm going to speak to this slide kind of less from a marketing perspective, more in terms of the three challenges the product is solving. So at its core, Salesforce IoT is all about bringing the power of CRM to all of your connected devices. We do that in three ways, or we solve three challenges in so doing. The first is this notion of local orchestration. And again, you're going to totally see this pay off in the demo, so get ready. But it's this point of, you know, sure, could you code your way and write some rules, some logic that connects AWS IoT to trigger a case in Service Cloud, for example, in Salesforce? Sure. But as you're thinking about what is that, what are the customer problems I can solve? How do I turn IoT data into something that proactively engages my customer in new ways? You're going to need to try 5, 10, 20 different things. You're going to need to get feedback from your customers, iterate on that. In short, you're going to need to rapidly experiment to figure out how to turn IoT into business, IoT data into business value. So what we have spent a lot of time and engineering power focusing on is how do we make it easy, simple, declarative for developers and business users to get their hands on a product that in a matter of hours lets you turn IoT data into an action in CRM. That's number one. Number two is when you think about that action, the right anomaly response that you want to take to the thing you detected, it's not always machine is about to break, dispatch a field service technician to fix it. Because what if you knew that that thing that was about to break is 10 years old, has broken 10 times in the past, and in fact is about to go out of warranty? Would that change the action, the response you took? Probably. So wouldn't it be more powerful if you could combine IoT data with what you knew about your customer, what contracts you'd sold them, how old their products were, how long they'd have them, how many times they'd broken in the past? Wouldn't that combination of data better inform the action, the response you took? It would. So in the product, this was another kind of challenge we saw, which was how do we make it super easy for all of you to easily combine the anomaly detected in AWS IoT with everything you know about your customers in Salesforce or in another third-party system? How do we bring that together to help you take the right action? And that's the third part, which is proactively taking the right action. Right? So at the end of the day, one of the, the kind of opportunities or promises in IoT is, as a business, you get a move from being reactive to proactive. Instead of your customers calling you saying, hey, you showed up two days ago or a week ago, but my thing actually just broke. Can you come back and refix it? You can actually show up to your customer, knock on their door with the right part or component, and say, hey, by the way, we know something's about to break. I'm here to fix it before you even knew there was an error. Right? That's the promise. So in combining the right signal from your things with everything, the right signals you know about your customer to then proactively trigger the right action, the right response. That's what Salesforce IoT makes possible. And Salesforce IoT allows you to create that, those rules, that logic, to trigger the action, to trigger the output directly into Salesforce CRM. So a bit of an architectural view as to how this works. So data coming in from AWS IoT feeds in as what we call kind of an input into Salesforce. 
can feed in through HTTPS posts, feed in directly through what we call platform events, through our enterprise messaging platform layer. But in any case, we can take in this data, ingest it, and then combine this data with customer context. Those attributes that exist in Salesforce as an object, a standard object, a custom object, or objects that exist outside of Salesforce and other third-party platforms. We make it easy for you to marry these two data sets together, the incoming data from AWS IoT, as an example, from your things, and the customer context that persists in Salesforce or outside, and combine that to then create the right rules, the right business logic, what we call here in the third category, orchestrations. Right? If this set of data tells me why, take X action. And that's the, the orchestration layer is kind of the, the, the magic, if you will. It's the, what I refer to as the, the bubble slide that you're going to see in the demo. It's how do we make it easy for you to declaratively represent states of your devices, states of your customer, and depending on the state of a thing, take any given action at any given point in time to shift your business from reactive to proactive. So that's that orchestration layer. The output layer is the response. What action do you want to take? How do you want to respond based on the anomaly that was detected? Now that action could be create a new opportunity in sales cloud, because instead of going to fix it, that product we were talking about is 10 years old. It's broken 10 times in the past, and we have a new, way better, more energy efficient product on the shelf. Hey, sales lead, sales guy, hot sales opportunity. Go take advantage of it. So automatically create a lead in sales cloud to trigger that action. Could be automatically create a case, for example, in service cloud to go have your service personnel fix something before it breaks with the right context serviced in the object. Field service technician dispatch, a marketing email, an SMS to your customer, you start to get the idea. So these are the four components at an architectural level that make up Salesforce IoT. So as I mentioned, and I'm gonna skip through this because I think the demo really pays it off, but the focus um, at a UI UX layer is really making it easy and possible uh, for developers, for people such as yourself to really come in, combine IoT data with customer context to create the right response, the right action uh, directly on the Salesforce platform. So how do we bring this together with AWS? So this is a very simplified version of how it works, but as Mark was mentioning, so we have a direct connection between AWS IoT and Salesforce IoT. It occurs at the rules engine layer, so as an example, the rules engine through AWS IoT could publish an event uh, through HTTPS post directly to Salesforce IoT. We can subscribe to that, pull that data in, and then at an output layer, there's a round trip. There's a bi-directional data feed where Salesforce IoT can then publish an output that then writes to AWS API layer and publishes back to the device registry, the device shadow, right? The appropriate place where then AWS can act on that data or pull that data back into um, the, the actions, the services that need to occur that you're taking advantage of. We have a deeper dive. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this today because I think it's actually better paid off when you can see the product in action. But in effect, this is one of the things we're putting together for customers, which is a reference architecture for IoT. If I go way back to the beginning of when we started, where I said, this, this stuff is complex. There's all these different piece parts. One of the questions we constantly get asked from our customers and from the market itself is, Hey, AWS, hey, Salesforce, can you make this easy? You know, AWS, you guys do, you know, device connectivity, device management, data aggregation, analysis, Salesforce, you're doing IoT orchestration, tying that to CRM. Can you create a reference architecture that lets me bring this to all of my business units so they can innovate on IoT in a common way? 
So this is part of the opportunity that we saw and part of what we're putting together, which is not only a kind of published and productized integration at the product level, but also reference architectures that allow our customers to take advantage of and go to different business units, kind of evangelizing a common way to drive IoT. All right, so the so what of this? What are, what are customers actually doing? And we're gonna talk about two customer examples here. Um, I would say there's three primary use cases that we're seeing our customers really start with engaging. So this notion of how do I use IoT data to power how I engage my customers? Awesome, people get it. And then the question becomes, well, where do I start? So there's three typical starting points, proactive service, proactive sales, and proactive customer engagement. So proactive service is the obvious one. You probably read a lot of articles or a lot of stuff on predictive maintenance, preventative maintenance, this notion of how do I fix something before it breaks? Well, the reason there's a lot of talk about this is because it makes sense, there's low hanging fruit here. If instead of your customer calling you and you reacting to a problem, how do you know about a problem before it occurs based on data coming from your products and act on that in advance of your customer knowing about it? So that's where this connection of AWS IoT, Salesforce IoT to power service cloud field service dispatch really comes in. The second opportunity is how do I make IoT relevant to my sales organization, right? How does your VP of sales stand up and say, these guys in the room, they made IoT awesome for me, right? Well, an example of this is how do you turn lead priority, right? Where sales guys wake up every day and say, where do I, who do I call on? Where do I spend my time? Well, wouldn't it be awesome if that was at least in part driven by IoT data? driven by real-time data on utilization, on capacity, on the fact that a customer was about to hit capacity, and so this was a great chance for the sales guy to go sell something new. So that's what we call proactive sales, really using IoT to drive prioritization and new lead creation. And the third is this broader notion of proactive customer engagement, which is how do I start to use all of this data to change the way I sell, service, market, reach out to my customers holistically. This is when new business models, um, new kind of monetization opportunities start to come to the fold. So let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's take you through two customer examples, how they're doing this, and then we're gonna show it to you. So the first example here is Enel. Raise your hands, how many people are familiar with Enel as a company? Okay, few, so I'm gonna tell you a little bit about them. Um, leading provider of energy, electricity and gas globally, 62,000 employees, operates in 30 countries, they're not small. They saw an opportunity with IoT to do something different. So not only are they connecting their existing assets, but they're actually becoming a supplier of new connected assets, for example, in the home. Smart assets. So they said, how do we start to think of, how do we get our customers to start to think of Enel as not just their kind of supplier of energy and electricity, but as a provider of services? So that ultimately, they'll start to pay us for those digital services in addition to the electricity and the energy they supply. That's the business transformation they're going through. So here's the problem they brought to us. So working with the global CIO, and the fundamental problem, you know, they're in the midst of this transition. It is a business priority for them. But their fundamental problem wasn't how do we just get started at a simple use case. He said, you know, I have 40 different IoT pilot projects going on within my company. You know, all of these different global BUs, and I have, you know, development teams doing things differently in each one of them. Sound somewhat familiar? So his charter, his ask, his, his kind of challenge to us was, how do I standardize? How do I come up with that IoT reference architecture that I can give to my various BU leaders, that I can take to them and not prescribe what they do in IoT, 
but at least give them a common foundation on which they can innovate. And so that was the opportunity that we tackled together with AWS, where we came together and said, okay, here's how uh, NL is going to connect their products and manage the broader data aggregation, filtering, analysis level layer on AWS IoT. And here's how they're gonna then turn that data, orchestrate that data into customer engagement, into proactive sales, proactive service with Salesforce IoT and the broader CRM platform. The impact was that in bringing these two things together, they were able to rapidly accelerate the time that it took any one of the given development teams or admin teams in any of these BUs. Take it from a matter of months into a matter of weeks where they were able to turn an idea around IoT solving a business problem into action. So pretty powerful and became an incredible way for them to really start to create a common foundation for innovation of IoT across the business. Um, and they're now starting to kind of bear the fruits of that where leaders across the business are innovating and turning IoT data into their own uh, use cases for customers. So for Wardzilla, I'm going to invite back up Mark. We're going to talk about it and then we're going to show you the product. All right. Um, so the other customer uh, we've worked with is a company called Wardzilla. Um, they make engines uh, for uh, ships, um, cruise ships, passenger ferries, uh, military vessels, uh, you name it. So you may have uh, used one of their products without uh, even knowing about it. 18,000 plus employees present in uh, seven countries around the world. Um, Wordzilla's uh, really, it's actually a very cool story. So they wanted to be able to delight their customers by trying to get um, ahead of the maintenance cycle uh, for these engines. So you gotta think, they've, they've put the equipment into a ship, the ship's owned by someone else. Uh, there's a bunch of telemetry that would come uh, from um, the vessel that would help you predict uh, what the maintenance cycle would be. And they had actually built a machine learning model using a set of data that was actually only about 40% accurate, meaning only about 40% of the time were they accurately predicting uh, the failure rates of parts in the engine. And there's a bunch of data that uh, contributes to that. One is telemetry data from the engine itself, but because ships go places, and they go places in water, and water is worse in bad weather, um, they actually combine that data with GPS and weather data because uh, simply like the hourly operation combined with particularly bad weather uh, compounding the problem contributes uh, to the maintenance load on the ship. And so what we did with them through um, uh, using AWS IoT uh, and Greengrass and several other AWS services is we were able to collect a new set of telemetry uh, from the engines. We were able to ingest uh, the weather and GPS data streams we built a new machine learning model um, using Amazon Machine Learning and raised the accuracy level of their machine learning model from 40% to 90%. So right off the bat, um, one, we're connecting to those ships in new ways. Two, we have a much more accurate um, maintenance um, uh, prediction that allows us then to generate events that we send back through to Salesforce and why is that really critical? Well, all of the maintenance contracts, uh, you know, who owns the ship? What are they allowed to do? Do we have to build them? Where's the ship gonna be? How do we dispatch service people? What parts might we need? How do we build for those parts? All of that existed in Salesforce and the investment 
that Wartilla had made in Salesforce. And so we completed um, uh, this POC. And really the problem that they're trying to solve is get to a point where they're able to reach out to the owner of the ship and say, hey, we know something is going to fail. Let's get those service people in in a much more efficient and cost-effective way. Um, they've been delighted and are now working from a POC stage uh, to move that into production. So the Wartzilla story is a great example. So maybe I'll do the introduction, save us do a handoff. So let's see that demo. So are you ready? I'm ready. Mic's right. on, perfect. Uh, so we're, we're going to hand it over. Do you want me to run the camera? Uh, I think I'll be okay. All right. Well, Just you call me back if you need it. Introduce him Thanks, himself Mark. and off you go. So I'm Dan Harrison. I have one of the coolest jobs at Salesforce. I'm the emerging technology architect, which means I only get to play with the coolest stuff. Um, IoT being probably the one I spend most of my time on. And you've already got a lot of the background, so I'm going to take you through this very quickly. I talk very fast. I will try to slow down just a little bit. I get very excited about this stuff, and I have about three hours worth of content I want to cover here in 17? Seven, sorry, seven minutes. Um, okay. Oh, that timer's not going, so time is infinite. Um, the good thing is we have this set up at uh, the Sands in Hall D if you want to come and check out the Salesforce booth. So you heard a lot from Mark uh, that this is running AWS. Uh, I 3D printed and wired, so I'm Mark. I'm one of the few people that is an electrical engineer that can wire and solder and code, as well as use the API. So this is my 3D solar panel, and it is connected up into AWS. So you'll see it here, uh, sending events, uh, the monitors running, sending that activity. But what's really important is when you take a look at the manage, the ability to have the shadow object. So this is one of the things that I find really valuable from a Salesforce perspective, is the ability to have that data flowing full round trip from the device up to Salesforce. As Lindsay mentioned, the real value coming from Salesforce IoT is the context. So now you marry the device data, the AWS information, with the contextual data on what service contract this particular customer has for these solar panels. Now Salesforce gets to make that decision, maybe send out an SMS message to the customer. Start an interaction with that customer. When the customer responds, Salesforce then passes it back to AWS. They can use the shadow connection back to the device and make something happen. Uh, the other thing inside AWS that I wanted to show you is the ACT. So we have a very simple one here. It's a demo. Um, although I do everything from soldering to coding, um, I do it very quickly, and I don't have any error codes and stuff like that. So you'll see most of my stuff is relatively basic. That's because I do a lot of these different things. But I like the fact that I have AWS here, because I can send it to S3. As Lindsay said, you need to track that data. You need to store it for future use. I use it for uh, AI in Einstein. So I take that data from the repository in S3, but here you'll see we have that easy connection. So it's very declarative. It's very easy for people who don't spend days and years developing code. They want to have somebody who can come in and make it very easy for, for that extension. So for the coders out there like myself who have been around since the mainframe days, everything's covered. But we also got the ability to do it declaratively and make it easy. So once you've got that connection, that secure connection from your device up to Salesforce, you move into the Salesforce side of things. Lindsay talked about the bubble view. This is what she was talking about. This is our state engine. Each one of these bubbles indicates how many of the devices you've got 
are currently in that state. So this is really important if you're looking at what's going on or if you're like myself, you see that there are two instances currently running. I have two solar panels. They happen to be connected to the same box just because that's the way they travel. But I might have 20 or 50 or 1,000 or 100,000 devices sitting in here. And now I can see whether most of my devices are in a normal operation state or if they're in some sort of uh, fixed state. And it's as simple when you're setting up rules. They're very simple to set up. And this is where you tie the context into Salesforce. So you notice that we've got uh, links into the Salesforce objects right here in the orchestration uh, configuration view. So these are the rules. They're very easy to do. And the reason I find my customers, when I talk to them, find this so valuable is tweaking a rule doesn't have to go back to a developer anymore. That's huge. As a developer, I don't want to spend my time, in the old days, I didn't want to spend my time changing the headers on reports, which seemed to be the thing that I had to be doing the most often. It got very tiring. Well, here it's like, okay, when do I move from this healthy state to a self-cleaning state? Well, is it 17% blockage or 17.2% blockage? I don't care. It's some number. And this gives the ability for people who are, we call them Salesforce administrators, uh, Salesforce developers, to go in and make this change without doing a whole lot of development. So this is where you get to set up, and you can see just how easy it is to get that done, which means you can iterate very quickly. Like Lindsay was mentioning, there's a lot that goes on. How am I doing for time, Lindsay? OK. I usually get, I always get the hook. I never get to the end of my pitch. Um, so what we've got here is the, the device is going on, and I'm going to put it into what we call a self-cleaning state. My bird comes down and lands on my solar panel, blocks the light, and it takes a couple of seconds to monitor, to realize the light's been blocked, but the one panel's got lower light than the other one. It gets to flip the bird off the panel, and that's the self-cleaning mode. Um, you saw the bubbles there change side. The purple bubble got bigger, indicating it went into self-cleaning mode. And then, that's great. It's been self-cleaned. What happens if it's a bigger issue? Um, so for those people who can't quite see, the panel on the front now is flashing red, indicating the device knows there's an issue the panel tipped forward, and nothing else is happening. It's tipped forward. It's put itself in service mode. At the same time, you may have noticed that I got a notification. Field service, Salesforce field service lightning sent me a notification. I'm going to go ahead and open that. I'm a field service technician. Normally, I would decide when to put the panel down. But for speed, I've got this panel. It's now put itself in maintenance mode. I now get all the information about that panel on my mobile phone. As a service technician, I know what I'm going to fix. I know whether my trunk stock, my, my parts, are in my vehicle to be able to fix this. I also get routed to the location based on, oh, sorry, it's still San Francisco solar panel. Um, so I got a long drive ahead of me here. Um, yeah, that, uh, that was the Dreamforce demo. We haven't uh, updated the address. So when I get there, I go ahead and I can click on the lightning indicator here, be able to do whatever activities I've got. 
in the longer version of this demo that I do, I actually disable the power to the device before I step up to it. So I'm able to use my phone to disable my IoT device, making it safe to a, uh, approach and make a change. So I'm going to go ahead and fix the issue. We're life that easy. Change the status. And I'm going to go ahead and close that out. And what happens next, if I can switch to my camera view fast enough, you're going to see the solar panel go through a few gyrations here. It didn't just go flat. It went up 90% down and then back up. The reason that's important is uh, Emerson, one of our customers, found that 40% of their installations were what they call suboptimal. The field service person would do what they needed to do, just enough to get it working, and then they'd be out of there to their next appointment. This now has the IoT device confirm that it's okay. Everything is fine, making sure you never have to roll the truck again to do the fix. That's huge. The cost savings for them alone on that pays for this kind of project that gets put in place. Um, so we saw it flip there through the, the verifying mode back to normal operations. And Lindsay's going to point out that I didn't show the dashboard. The reason I was doing this from the first place was that my dashboards were showing that my average cost of service was very high. I also had case origins that were coming from my customer. I didn't know anything was broken unless somebody called me. And now I'm going to go ahead and refresh this dashboard. This is all real Salesforce data. And we should see that move around from now I've got the inbound case origin coming from IoT devices. So now I'm getting a lot of reports from IoT indicating that I've got problems that I'm able to deal with before I have an, a customer call me. And okay, my, uh, we cleaned up maybe a little too many of our previous records because now my, my average cost of service has uh, buried the needle. Um, so we do have uh, some, some uh, real reports in there that we've cleaned up a little bit, maybe too much. But you see that the fact that we now are starting to take that real data in is able to drive the real business value. And as a developer or an engineer, I need the business people to fund my projects so I can go out and do this. So what it comes back to is really taking that data, finding the business value, and driving it. So this particular customer, Sierra Solar, was having an issue with cost of service and customer sat because their customers were reporting the issue before they knew it. Based on using AWS IoT and Salesforce IoT, they're able to proactively notify the customer that the, one of the solar panels needs to be fixed. They dis dispatch the field service technician and ultimately have fewer truck rolls. For those people who want to hear the other three and a half hours of my presentation, um, please join me in Hall D. Salesforce has got a booth there. We not only have the solar panels, we've got a generator that we've done for customers where we're taking real, live, we're taking real data from a generator. Um, I love the fact that one of Mark's slides had a forklift on it because I have a similar demo with a Tonka Troy, Tonka Toy forklift because we have a company who wants to do this with their forklifts. We're currently working through the paperwork with them, so hopefully next time we'll be able to reference them as a customer as well. So I want to bring back up uh, Mark and Lindsay, and please come check us out at the booth. Come and talk to me or some of my colleagues. 
we're giving away a drone. So please come and have your badge scan, check out the demo in a little bit more detail, and enter for a drone as well as some other great swag. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Round of applause for Van. Great. Oh. Did right. the demo live up to was our that, I was going to say, was that cool? Did you get yeah. it? Right? Yeah? Head nods? Okay. Thing data, driving customer engagement. That's what it's all about. Um, so I guess the question is, how do we make this relevant for you? What questions do you have? Ask us anything. Uh, we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear from you. Well, we can do it after, too. Yeah. All right. We'll be around. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the time. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys.